As we open God's Word this morning, let us go to Him in prayer. God, we are so thankful for Your Word and how it speaks clearly to who You are, who we are, and uh, what You've done for us in Christ. Lord, I pray right now You would speak to our hearts, You would fill us with Your Holy Spirit, and make it clear to us who You are and, and what You require of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, we're going to begin a new sermon series on the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. Now, that may sound either very positive to you or negative, depends on what you think about discipline. Or you could phrase it as the spiritual exercises, if that sounds a little bit better. But before we look at the individual exercises or disciplines, I want to make sure that you understand what I'm talking about when I refer to these disciplines and exercises, and that you understand what the purpose of these are or is. And so, many of you have participated in some type of workout program before to either lose weight or, you know, gain some muscle, you know, get in shape. And uh, about five months ago, I decided to participate in one of these workout programs. It's called P90X3. Okay, and this this workout program promises to get you in shape in 90 days. Hence the whole P90 title. 90 days, and what you do is you work out for six days a week, 30 minutes a day, and it, it takes you through a variety of exercises: cardio, stretching, lifting weights. And if you've ever participated in a program like this, you know that. What, what this program can do, any type of workout program, what it can do is it can improve upon what's already there. Right? In other words, when you lift weights, uh, you don't create muscle that was not previously there. Right? But you build upon what you already possess. So when you lift weights, you're, you're growing existing muscle. You're not creating muscle out of thin air. Right? That's the purpose of these uh, exercises, for example, in P90X. And the same thing's true with the spiritual disciplines. As we look at the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, these exercises that we can participate in to help us grow in our relationship with the Lord, these disciplines, and this is very important to understand on the front end, these exercises, these disciplines, they do not make you a Christian. And the reason I I want to stress this is because our default mode, the default mode of the human heart is what's called works righteousness, which means I want to earn my salvation. I want to do it myself. That's our default position. But that is not Christianity. You cannot earn your way to God. You cannot work your way to God. You cannot discipline yourself enough to inherit the kingdom of God. That's just not how God has made it work. Okay, And so the disciplines do not give you life, but what they do is they help that life to grow within you. And so the only way you can possess eternal life is through Jesus Christ. That's the way we receive forgiveness for our sin. That is the way we inherit new life. And the way this new life grows within us is by our participation in the grace that God gives us. And some of that comes through these disciplines, these exercises that are laid out in Scripture. And so just like when I work out, 
I'm working out the muscles that I already have. I'm just trying to make them grow. Same way in the spiritual disciplines. These spiritual disciplines do not give you life, but they help you grow the life that you have, if that makes sense. And that's very important to note. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 4.7. It's page 1028 in, in your pew Bible. Paul tells Timothy toward the end of this letter, he says, you know, don't uh, pay attention to myths and fables and things like that, but I, here's what I want you to do, Timothy. I want you to exercise yourself toward godliness. 1 Timothy 4.7. Exercise yourself toward godliness. This idea of exercising yourself, or your translation may say, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, or train yourself. And this word that we use here, exercise, discipline, train, it comes from the Greek word that we actually get our word uh, gymnasium or gymnastics from. It's this idea of training, exercising. It's something that we're working out. Okay? Just like that workout program I was telling you about. And so the exercises that we're going to be looking at in this sermon series, the purpose of these exercises is for the purpose of godliness. So just like doing the the cardio exercises, the stretching, the lifting weights, uh, they will help you grow physically. These disciplines, I believe, will help you grow stronger spiritually. So the discipline I want to look at this morning as we begin this series is the discipline of prayer. Turn with me to Matthew 6, which is page 837 in your pew Bible. And what you're going to see here is in the Gospels, Jesus models prayer. We know that as you read the Gospels, you see Jesus going away and praying to the Father on a regular basis. And then we see in Matthew chapter 6, this expectation that his followers are to pray. Look at verse 5 in Matthew 6. He says to his followers, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And then down in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room. And then verse 7, and when you pray, do this, that, and the other. In other words, there's this expectation that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're going to pray. This is, what, this is what you do. You will pray. You'll want to pray. And he's just showing his followers, this is how you pray. Don't do this, do this. So there's an expectation there that we are to pray. Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, which which is page 1021 in your pew Bible, Colossians 4.2, the Apostle Paul is giving instruction to the church in Colossae, and he says this in Colossians 4.2. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, or continue steadfastly in prayer, or devote yourselves in prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, or being watchful in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. You know, to be earnest about something, to continue steadfastly in something, or to devote, to devote yourself to something means that you, know, you give your time to it, your attention to it, your resources to it. And so for many of you, you devote yourselves to your family, you devote yourselves to your job, 
Uh, you may devote yourselves to your education, uh, your family, your friends, your hobbies. But when you devote yourselves to something or to someone, it means that you consistently give your time to it, your attention to it, right? And so Paul is saying that as followers of Jesus, we need to devote ourselves to prayer. Now, whether you are a Christian or not, you've probably prayed to God before. I can remember before I was a believer in Christ, I would pray to God. And you, you probably did as well. And even if you're not a Christian, uh, you've probably prayed before. And some of you in here have a very active prayer life. And then some of you, maybe you only pray in emergency situations or at the dinner table or whatnot. And what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you some suggestions that will help you grow in your practice of prayer. Now here's how I want you to think about these suggestions though. You know, when I decided to to participate in this P90X workout program, I did so because I needed help in getting in shape. You know, I knew, just like you know this, when it comes to, you know, trying to get in shape or lose weight or whatever it may be, you know that you need to be involved in stretching, you need to get your heart rate up and exercise, and you need to lift weights, right? I mean, we know those things. Just like you know we need to pray. If I were to ask you, do you think we should pray? You would say, Ron, absolutely, yeah, we need to pray. And, but the issue is, just like we're working out, we know what we need to do, but it, that's too general of a knowledge and an idea of what we need. Okay, yes, I need to work out. Yes, I need to lift weights. I need to stretch. But the reason I did this workout is because there's this guy that you watch on this video, and he tells you specifically how to lift weights. Take the weight and do this, you know, or stretch this way, or do this for so many minutes. Run and do this, and Jump around and do that. I mean, he's very specific. And so what he does is he takes the general idea that I know I need to do. I need to, uh, you know, work out with weights. I need to do cardio. But I need help specifically figuring out what that looks like for me practically. He came in and was able to give me those specifics. Rarely have I, actually rarely is not even a good word for it. I've never actually talked to someone, a Christian. And they said, you know, Ron, I pray way too much. <laughs> I, just, I just need to cut back on my prayer. <laughs> I'm a prayer maniac, you know. I need to cut back. And never is the case. What do you always hear? I need to pray more. You know? I need to pray. And I'm not trying to pile on a guilt trip why you should pray more. That's not the purpose. But the idea is that we, we know we, we even want to pray. We desire to pray. But maybe we just need a little help in figuring out, okay, How should I pray? What are some ways for me to pray and put this into practice? And what I want you to do is look in your bulletin. There's an insert there. And there's 14 little suggestions here. And in his book entitled uh, Conformed to His Image, author uh, Kenneth Boa just lists some suggestions. And I listed them there for you in the bulletin. And I want to just walk through some of these suggestions with you on how you can grow in your practice of prayer. And what I want you to do as we walk through this, I want you just to star or to circle maybe two or three of these that really stand out to you that you'd like to implement. You know, don't necessarily circle the whole list because what's going to happen is that you're going to probably be overwhelmed and it's going to be like saying, you know, I'm ready, let's 
I'm going to run a marathon, but I'm not going to train for it. You're not going to get very far. And so if you just pick maybe two or three of these that stand out and you say, you know, I really would like to, to put these into practice, then maybe you can add some of these other suggestions as you, as you continue to grow. So the first one we see here that may help us grow in our practice of prayer is that if we can choose a good time to pray. Choose the best time to pray. The psalmist writes in Psalm 5.3 these words. This is what he says. He says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Ian Bounds said it this way. He said, if God is not first in our thoughts and efforts in the morning, He will be in the last place the remainder of the day. The idea here is, pick a time at the beginning of your day. When you start your day. Pick a time that, would, that you could just set aside and go to the Lord in prayer. That He would be you know, the first on your mind as you start your day. So choose, choose a good time. Choose the best time to start with prayer. The second point is, or suggestion is to choose the best place. And what I mean by that is choose a place where there are kind of minimal distractions. You know, Luke tells us in Luke 5.16 that Jesus often with, would withdraw to the wilderness and pray. And I believe He did that because He continually had these crowds surrounding Him. And so what He would do is He would pull away in the wilderness and get alone with the Father. And I think this is helpful for us to, to look at in our own prayer lives as well. Find a place that is maybe a quiet place, minimal distractions. And I know for... for For you, depending on where you are, your life stage, this could be difficult, especially if you have small children. Uh, Maybe you need to choose their nap time or before they get up in the morning or whatnot. But just try to find a time where you can just devote some time to prayer, spend time with God. The third here is to set a minimum time for daily prayer. Robert Coleman says that in prayer, quality is always better than quantity. And we know that's true pretty much in any relationship, is it not? Quality time. It's not just about quantity of time, but quality time. The great William Wilberforce once said, Surely the experience of all good men confirms the proposition that without a due measure of private devotions, the soul will grow lean. In other words, we need to carve out some daily time with the Lord. And I'll encourage you, maybe you already do this, but some of you, maybe this is new to you. Um, you know, I remember going on a retreat in college, and I had really never spent consistent time with the Lord, just reading His Word in prayer. And uh, <laughs> at this retreat, they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the next 30 minutes... Just you and the Lord. And I thought, what am I going to do for 30 minutes? (laughs) So I said, well, I guess I'll go for a walk. You know, and about two minutes in, I'm thinking, now what do I do? (laughs) I had never done that before. This was new to me. And so what I want to encourage you to do, maybe that's you. Maybe you say, Ron, I've never really spent consistent time with the Lord in prayer. 
Uh, I would encourage you, don't just take like a 30-minute block or an hour block and say, you know, I'm going to just spend an hour in prayer. I would encourage you even just to take a minute or two minutes and just say, you know what? I'm going to wake up and I'm going to spend the first minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, whatever it may be, and I'm just going to be still before the Lord and pray. And start there. Remember, life's a marathon. You know, we don't need to... You know, we don't need to, we need to train for it. We need to you know not just come out of the gate without any training and expect us to finish the whole marathon. Let's just start the training, start small, and we can build up to more time. Quality is better than quantity. The fourth suggestion is be consistent. You know, Paul tells the Thessalonian Christians in First Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. And there's a consistency there in this conversation between. Us and God. And let me tell you something. P90X, if you do it, it only works if you're consistent. If you take time off and you don't do it, it's not going to work. And what's kind of frustrating is, and you've all probably experienced this with any type of diet or workout program. At first, it's hard to see results. Right? I mean, you're doing it and it's like, okay, why is the weight not coming off? Why are the muscles not becoming bigger? Yeah. But I'll tell you, when you do this, like with P90X, for example, you really don't see many results until after about 30 days. 30 days in, you start to see results. Now, I know what you're saying. You're looking at me and you're saying, Ron, I still don't see any results. But, uh, but trust me, there was some growth. There was a little growth, a little muscle growth. But the same thing in prayer, you know, as you start, you may not see much of a difference. You may or may not. But if you do it consistently, pray without ceasing. If you, if you start carving out daily time with the Lord, uh, I believe you will start seeing a difference in your relationship with the Lord and even your relationship with others. The fifth, fifth suggestion is to focus on the person of God. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, the Apostle Peter tells Christians, to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. He, God, cares for you. You're talking to a person. And so, yes, we need to present our requests to Him and our concerns, but He also loves to hear your praise. And He's also a mighty God. And so we need to come to Him in humility, and we need to focus on who He is. Kenneth Boa gives the following suggestions, or following suggestion. He says, it is a good practice to read or meditate on a passage of Scripture and then concentrate your, your attention, then concentrate your attention on the presence of Christ in your life. Just like earlier, when we entered into a time of prayer together, I read from the Psalms, you know, we read from the Psalms, and it, it kind of lifted our eyes to the person of God. And then when we prayed together, it was a lot easier to focus on the person of God because we had just read about Him in the Scripture. And so this may be one way to implement it in your prayer life. Focus on a passage of Scripture, read it, and then pray, and praise God for who He is. The sixth suggestion is to come before Him in humility. And I just mentioned that in 1 Peter 5. Uh, humble yourself. Yeah, don't try to put on a show before God. I mean, God knows you. 
He knows your heart. No need to put on a show. Come before Him open, honest. If He brings sin into your mind, confess it to Him. And thank Him for His forgiveness in Christ. But be real with God. Open with Him. Read the Psalms if you need help with that. The psalmist is very real with God. He he tells God about his frustrations, his questions, his concerns, his needs. Read the Psalms for help in that. But come before God in humility. The seventh, seventh suggestion is come expectantly to the throne. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus tells His followers, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. God wants us to come to Him and praise. And He also wants us to request things of Him. Talk to Him about what we need. And God will give us what we need. Boa mentions in his book, he says, you know, come before God in simplicity. Like a child to a father. I mean, think about coming to your mother, your father, or your grandmother, your grandfather, and you have something that you need and you ask them for it. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you just ask them for it. You just come before, you're real with them, you just make a request. Come before God in simplicity like a child to a father. And then Boaz says, you know, expect the supernatural. Just like we prayed this morning. God, do what only you can do in our hearts. You know, we can't change our hearts. I can't change your heart. You can't change my heart. But God can change our hearts. So let's ask Him for things like that and other things as well that only He can do and let's be expectant in our prayer life. Suggestion number eight, pray at all times in the Spirit. Romans eight twenty six through 27. Paul writes, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I love this passage of Scripture, and let me tell you why. I was not an English major in college. I was an engineer major. And I am so thankful for this passage, because this tells me that God is not limited by my vocabulary. (laughs) That's encouraging, you know, especially for an engineer major. I I don't have to think about how to phrase everything perfectly because I have the Holy Spirit living within me. And if you're in Christ, you do as well. And the Spirit is making intercession for you. So when you carve, carve out time to pray to the Lord, what you're doing is you're giving the Spirit room to work. Even if you can't think about how to articulate it. The Spirit is at work interceding for you. So pray depending on God's Spirit to work on your behalf. Nine, strive for a balanced diet. There's an acrostic, uh, ACTS, A-C-T-S, which is really helpful in prayer. A is for adoration, praising God for who He is. C is for confession, confessing any known sin that comes to mind. D is for thanksgiving, telling God what you're thankful thankful for. And S is for supplication. Making your request to be made known to God, your request, the request of others, acts, balanced diet. Because, you know, God is not just some cosmic vending machine that we come up to and we just kind of bang on the buttons hoping to get out, you know, Mountain Dew. 
That's not who God is. God's a person. He loves to hear your praise. He wants you to deal with your sin. He wants to hear your thanksgiving. And He wants to hear your requests. He's a person. So have a balanced diet when you come before the Lord. Number 10, pray Scripture back to God. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. It's page 10,012 in your pew Bible. I just want to show you an example uh, as how to pray Scripture back to the Lord. It's a great exercise for you to use. And you can use any of the Psalms, any of the prayers of Scripture, any, tru- any of the truths of Scripture. But I just want to give you an example. And you can follow along in the Bible as I read this. And I want you to sh- and you'll just notice how I've changed some of the pronouns here to make it my prayer. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose me in Him before the foundation of the world, that I should be holy and blameless before Him. In love you predestined me for adoption as a son through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of your will, to the praise of your glorious grace, with which you have blessed me in the Beloved. So you're taking Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, and you're making it your prayer to God for yourself. You're praying and asking God to do these things in your life, or you're praising God for who He is and what He's done. So praying Scripture back to God is one way to uh, grow in your prayer life. Eleven, don't do all the talking in prayer. Several places in the Scripture we're told to just be still. Be still and know that He is the Lord. Boaz says that we should practice times of silence before the Lord. So that we can be sensitive to the promptings of His Spirit. You know, give Him some room so He can bring people to our minds to pray for. Maybe He brings sin into our minds that we need to confess praying for wisdom, praying for guidance, direction, just giving Him some some room there to work in our own hearts. So don't do all the talking. Twelve, make prayer a part of your relationships with people. Pray with other people. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in My name, there I am among them. And I, I believe what Jesus is saying there is, you know, when there are two or three believers together, He's there in a special way. I mean, we know He's with every believer, but when you come together in agreement, in unity about something, He's saying, I'm there in a special way. And I think when we pray together, there's power in that. Especially, especially when we agree together in prayer. And so every Wednesday night in the social hall at 615, we gather to pray for our church, our city, our world. Any concerns that are on our minds, hearts. Um, 9.35, a group met in here before Sunday school in the sanctuary to pray. Pray for you, to pray for the Sunday school hour, to pray for this time of worship. So husbands, you know, pray with your wives. Wives, pray with your husbands. Parents, pray with your children. Grandparents, pray with your grandchildren. Friends, pray with your friends. Involve people in your prayer life. Make prayer part of your relationships with people. Thirteen, plan special times of prayer during the year. And this is just timely because actually the women in our church are planning a prayer retreat 
coming up, actually. It's in your bulletin. That's uh, hosted by the WMU at Camp Pinnacle here in Georgia. That's going to be a great retreat. That's a great example of just taking one night, just setting aside one night. We're going to go away. We're going to focus on prayer and fellowship. And there are other ways to do that as well. Just taking a day uh, to go maybe sit by the river or take a drive or just carve out time to go sit and just spend time with the Lord in a more, um, I guess, prolonged time. And the last one that he mentions here that I thought was helpful is to practice the presence of God. Imagine, now this may annoy actually some of you, but imagine talking on your cell phone with someone the whole entire day. And I know you've seen people do this, but, and it may get on your nerves, but you're talking on your cell phone with someone all day long. Now, if you were to do that, you know at times there, there are some things that need your attention. So you may have to say, well, hold on a moment. And you have to deal with this task, this other conversation. But they're always on the line. And I think that's what he's talking about here, practicing the presence of God. Realizing that God is always on the line. He's always willing to hear our prayers all throughout the day. Not just in those quiet times with Him that we set aside, but all throughout the day. And so when we practice the presence of God, we see our prayers and our actions kind of they're coming together. The great Puritan Richard Foster once said, It's not prayer in addition to our work, but simultaneous with our work. We proceed and fold and follow our work with prayer. Prayer and action become wedded together. That's what he means when he says practice the presence of God. Prayer, I think it's important to have a a time set aside for prayer. But then it also begins to overflow in just your daily life and everything you do. You begin to bathe it in prayer. Prayer becomes combined with action as you go throughout your day. So we know we all need to pray as Christians. In a relationship with God, communication is key if we're going to grow in that relationship. And I think Donald Whitney, he wrote this book called Uh, the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, he said this, he says, when our awareness, when our awareness of the greatness of God and the gospel grows dim, our prayer lives will be small. When our awareness of the greatness of God and the gospel is dim, our prayer lives will be small. The less we know about God, the less we'll pray. The more we know God and understand what He's done for us in Christ, the more we will have a desire to spend time with Him in prayer. And I trust that as you grow in your knowledge and in your love for God, your desire to pray will increase. And I hope these suggestions that we've covered will maybe help you in that, help you practice prayer in your relationship with the Lord. And again, I just want to encourage you, just a star, circle, maybe two or three of those that you, you, know, you say, I really want to give attention to this, this one. And I really want this to be part of my time with the Lord, that we may grow in our time of prayer. And we can implement maybe some of these in our exercise schedule. So as followers of Christ, let us, let us devote ourselves to prayer. 
Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege it is to pray, to come before you, to praise you for who you are and what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we know that the spiritual disciplines, they do not put us in a right relationship with you, but only through faith in Jesus Christ is that right relationship secured. But we know by reading your word that prayer is important if we want to grow in our relationship with you. And we want to know you better. Lord, help each person here just uh, take the next step in their relationship with you as it relates to prayer. Lord, help us to devote ourselves to prayer. And help us to put into practice uh, what would help us to grow in our relationship with you. And we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.